Welcome to Film Frequency, the fortnightly film podcast hosted by Mark Whiteside, Ross Cairndove and myself, Corey McKinney, where we unpack our thoughts on the cinematic landscape of motion picture entertainment. From indie flicks to blockbuster, international cinema to animation, we leave no genre untouched as we analyse what we love about storytelling on the big and small screen. Okay, uh, welcome back to the Film Frequency podcast. Um, this week, we've got a wee bit of a St. Patrick's Day special. Um, we're going to be covering films from Ireland and Northern Ireland. We're going to be covering directors, um, Irish stories and Irish actors who've kind of made it big across the across the water. Um, and we've also got an interview with uh, one of Ross's friends, Megan. They're going to be talking about John Carney Sing Street. So that's coming up a little bit later on in the podcast. Um, but first of all, we're going to take it over to Mark, who's going to talk about one of his favourite films that is based in Northern Ireland. Um, yeah, so my pick for uh, this podcast is a film I watched over the Christmas holidays there. Um, I'd been recommended by a couple of people about this, being told that it's kind of like a sleeper hit. And that is uh, 2017's The Foreigner. Um, it stars Jackie Chan, of all people, who would have thought he would have been in an Irish story related film, and Pierce Brosnan. Um, the plot is that there's a humble businessman, who's Jackie Chan, uh, with a buried past who seeks justice when his daughter is killed in an act of terrorism. And then that leads to a cat and mouse conflict, which ensues with an Irish government official, which is Pierce Brosnan. Um, I, and he's like an ex-IRA um, um, XIRA member who, whose past may hold clues to the killer's identities. Straight away, when I started watching this, I didn't expect all that much um, out of the film. But like from the get-go, the action, I couldn't get over. I think that's the biggest takeaway I could get out of this film. The action is absolutely top class. Like I thought it was like John Wick sort of level with action. And um, very quickly, I, I had to look up to see who the director was of this film. And I realized it was Martin Campbell. So Martin Campbell, and I, I the name didn't ring a bell. And uh, I realized he has directed potentially the best two James Bond films there's ever been, which was Casino Royale and Goldeneye. Um, which then I thought, well, how come I haven't heard of this guy since uh, Casino Royale? And uh, it turns out he made Green Lantern as well. So um, I think he maybe had quite a serious blip along the way there. But he's back with uh, the foreigner, and this was an excellent, uh, an excellent contained uh, action thriller. Um, when I first heard the premise uh, that was a revenge, revenge thriller, uh, revenge thriller with like an old Jackie Chan, who I wasn't even sure if Jackie Chan was in a pens uh, pensioner's home or not by this stage, I was like, this guy's been going for how many years? Uh, and that he'd be fighting a corrupt Irish government. I kind of rolled my eyes. I was thinking, this sounds terrible on paper. Um, but as I said, the action was uh, top notch. This was miles away from Jackie Chan's like 2000s silly comedies that he used to do, like Rush Hour. Uh, the martial arts uh, aren't over the top and you actually feel every punch and blow that happens. And even Jackie Chan's acting for once, in, in my opinion, he's never been a great actor, Jackie Chan, but like he was really good here and uh and even pierce brosnan was really really good in his um like corrupt irish um official role and um yeah and it, basically it uh the pacing's really really good throughout the film um you never feel like it kind of lags in the middle it just keeps going and building and building and i thought the f it was also quite funny because i just find it hilarious that um these Irish dudes basically just being constantly blown away with Jackie Chan's fighting skills 
and his like um, assassin techniques and slowly starting to realize that Jackie Chan Jackie Chan's character was the definitely the wrong person to piss off um and it's definitely one of the most underrated films of 2017 I if you like action thriller you will not be d disappointed by this and uh, I think Martin Campbell seems to be back on back on the ball um and he's one to watch and I, I then look to see what he's got got coming up next and he's got a film with Samuel Jackson and Michael Keaton called The Asset it's coming out this year actually I think it's scheduled probably will be pushed into next year given the reshuffle happening but that's definitely one to watch out for um yeah Corey so what did you think of this film did you have yeah. as high praise as I've given it well it's one of the ones you know as you know yourself Mark there'll be films that we'll watch at the weekend you know with a couple of drinks the family you know and mostly I've probably said this before in this podcast but like for the Friday or Saturday night film in our house drama is out the window it has to have like action in it. it has to have maybe an element of like comedy it can't just be action but you know a bit of comedy in it as well I think we stuck this on kind of like you on a whim where we didn't know what to expect of it and the first as you said the first like 20 30 minutes of it is really dark like the, the, what happens with daughter you actually kind of feel that and normal action movies might just like skim over that bit but it like lingers for like a good 20 minutes and you're like really starting to feel really bad for what's just happened to his character and as you say yeah in the second half of the movie i thought it was hilarious when pierce rosson's basically he, go, he goes to like a, a farm you know to hide out away you know to, away from jackie chan he gets all these like IRA members in to kind of protect him and like no like pretty much every single person is like who goes up against Jackie Chan just gets like beaten like so easily which was yeah it was such a strange like seeing how the start of the movie started I was like how is this ever going to end up like a Jackie Chan action comedy but as you say it was a bit more of like an action drama similar to like that John Wick style yeah it was it was a nice like i'm not the biggest jackie chan fan um and i didn't really like his 2000s films like rush star and things not my thing um but this whole like more serious action um take that he's going in is is a lot better um and uh with jackie chan's skills that he's had you know paired up with a really good stunt coordinator it makes everything come together really really well yeah and he still managed to do a lot of them stunts himself as, as far as i believe you know at his age probably i mean I, I haven't even looked up what age jackie chan is now i'll have to get back to you on that one but uh, i'm <laughs> sure my dad. like he's broken like got like they went into like how many bones and stuff he's broken over the time and like have you ever seen that video it's like i can't remember what movie it is he's working on and he like one of his scenes goes wrong and he like broke his neck or something doing that mm. like it's insane the amount of stuff that because he is one of those sort of consummate professionals that does do all of his own stunts and that's sort of his gig, um, but it's insane. Absolutely yeah, insane. I remember at the end of Rush Hour, I think it was maybe all the Rush Hour films has the outtakes. It's one of them few, like, remember they used to do that where like films would have the outtakes at the end of the movie. They don't really do that with cinema anymore, but um, with Rush Hour, it shows you the outtakes at the end of it. And there's one <laughs> Jackie Chan scales the wall of the, I think it's the American Embassy or something. And it just shows you every time you kept missing it. You can't, you wouldn't quite make the, because he's, he's scaling like a, I know 15 foot wall pretty high but yeah he's definitely um a lot more physical than i'll ever be <laughs> finished mark do you want to highlight any other movies i i watched another film um last week um called 19 or well 71 
-hmm. and uh, it's a film that came out in 2014 starring Jack O'Connell but um, you know the premise there as well is to do with um, basically a English soldier being placed in Belfast in the middle of the troubles and you know we talked about this Corey as well that a lot of the stories the Irish stories um, that films can be based around um are it's really a, nearly all of it is to do with the troubles that we experienced um here 30 years ago and um you know i, I don't think it's got I, personally i don't think it's got too old yet where it's like oh all we're getting is if it's an irish film it has to be to do with the troubles like i don't think we've we've overdone it if that makes sense but um i think it's a really interesting insight into what it was like in the troubles obviously you hear it from parents and family and friends but, you know, on a visual level, I've never got to kind of see anything like that. And it's very weird to live in a place like Belfast, which if you watch the 71 show, you realize how dangerous parts of Belfast were 30, 40 years ago, literally as dangerous as uh, parts of the Middle East probably today. And, um, you know, it's obviously I've done the bus, bus tours as well of Belfast and they tell you some crazy, crazy history, but it's really cool to see that visually. And I think obviously that enhances it and it's probably a bias for me watching an Irish story to do with the Troubles because I have an extra layer of kind of, um, uh, you know, family relatability and things. So, you know, um, I've, I always kind of perk my ears up when I hear about a film to do with the Troubles. Um, and I guess it spotlights it for the rest of the world as well. Not that, you know, I think most of the world knew what was going on uh, in Ireland at the time. So... But it's it's still it's 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 an interesting topic to focus on. I was going to say that um, maybe part of the reason as well, you know, on a financial level for a studio, um, if you're going to try and base a film on some sort of Irish history, um, you would probably pick the, the 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 troubles because it was so globally well known at the time. You know, every, you know, so many parts of the world know about it. I mean, even just hearing what happened recently, not to get political, but what happened recently with uh, the EU and um, kind of the vaccine rollouts and kind of uh, how they were going to try and put up a bit of a border to uh, the movement of the vaccine and the uproar that that caused across the globe. I couldn't get over how many people had something to say about it. Um, so and that kind of made me realize again how much the whole world was listening to what was going on in Northern Ireland 30, 40 years ago. So for such a relatively small level part of the map, um, there has been an awful lot of global attention to it, but then um, you're right. It's yes. It's sort of a world that we've grown up after. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, but there's definitely still parts of society. Like, I guess there's still sort of remnants of it and parts, but, it's a very different place today than I guess it was back then. So I suppose that's also important to highlight. You know, it's great that these films are being made. You know, they're doing quite well. They're getting quite big actors in it, quite big budgets. But like, where are the other stories from Northern Ireland? Like, I think the point I was trying to make was like Irish folklore, not just there in Northern Ireland, but Ireland as well. You know, stuff like fairies and banshees and the Doolahan, the Headless Horseman, all that stuff is all comes from Irish mythology. Um, you know. You get a lot of these like Norse mythology films and stories and big epics and stuff. Um, you know, is there a chance for something like that to come out of Ireland at some point where we get like a? I know there's got there's quite a big animation um push happening yeah. down south as well. So. Um, but you know, is there any way of that pushing over into like the the real 
um, feature length movies. Be quite interesting. Could be. We certainly have the setting for it, you know, as you said, Game of Thrones, and hopefully that brings a bigger push for um, fantasy, maybe, um, here. And clearly, we do have quite a nice setting for that, um, and it's very fit fitting for that. And yeah, maybe, I think it's yeah. just it's so interesting that like the Norse folklore has become such a huge thing, but you know, there's folklore of a lot of other countries, and Ireland being one of them, that you know, I think could have its own like. All these, no, all these stories about of like fairies and giants and stuff. You know, there's some really cool stuff there for um, movie concepts. There's definitely a lot more than just the typical leprechaun that everybody immediately jumps to, right? There's... Welcome back to our new podcast segment, Around the World. As Ross mentioned in the last podcast episode, Film Frequency have introduced a new segment to the podcast, spotlighting international films, which at times can be criminally underserved. If you're sick and tired of endlessly watching mediocre Hollywood films at home during the pandemic, then hopefully this segment will shine a new light on your movie watch list. This week's Around the World film is Ensemble, or Incendies as most of us Western societies probably call it. I watched 114 films last year and Ensemble was my favourite by a considerable margin. Ensemble came out in 2010 and is a French-Canadian film based on a play, but it feels as though it has been adapted from a great literary story. It is centred around a family's tragedy from the Middle East conflict, specifically the civil war in Lebanon. The film begins in Canada with the death of a Canadian Lebanese woman. She leaves two letters to her twin son and daughter. One is to be delivered to their brother, whom they did not know existed, and the other to their father, who they had presumed dead. To find these people, they have to travel to Lebanon to unravel the mysterious past of their deceased mother. This tragic story is brought to life on the big screen by the visionary director, Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve was a relative newcomer to directing and writing when he helmed this project, compared to the top-tier Hollywood director acclaim he has now garnered. Nevertheless, it is clear to see his natural ability and directorial flair he possessed from this early stage in his career. From the sweeping cinematography that's achingly beautiful to gaze at, to the delivery of the show-stopping and heartbreaking twist in the latter part of the film, it demonstrates the all-too-rare directing talent seen in this young filmmaker. Events and stories this powerful do not require embellishment or cinematic excesses, and Villeneuve's dispassionate style maximises the impact. No wonder Warner Brothers plucked him up to helm their biggest, most expensive and often most challenging film projects. There are extremely powerful and unforgettable images and scenes in Ensemble. Suffice to say that even if you have no interest in the history of the Middle East, this film will capture your attention from the start and grips you right to the end. This devastating tale on the horrors of conflict and its enormous human costs should be seen. And now back to the podcast discussion. Um, so I suppose I'll move on to my section. I'm covering um, Irish talent, so Irish actors hitting the big time right now, as opposed to maybe like talking about Liam Neeson or, you know, Killian Murphy, people that people everyone knows about. Um, I could have, I could, I was going to mention Saoirse Ronan because I think she's done really well for herself out of, um, especially the last couple of years. I think the real big push coming with like Lady Bird and stuff and obviously Little Women. But the one person I wanted to mention was uh, Jessie Buckley, who's only came on my radar actually in the last three to four weeks when I started watching Chernobyl. So Jessie Buckley plays Ludmilla 
Ignatyenko, maybe. The whole big thing about her was that she spent a lot of time with him in the hospital and then she's pregnant at the time, so then her um, baby only lives a, a couple of hours after being born. Um, but last night I watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is the Charlie Kaufman film. And Mark, we were talking about um, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Charlie Kaufman actually wrote um, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. So he's more so a writer than he was a, a director. Um, and I was just watching him think of ending things. It's got, it's, it's got huge like Eternal Sunshine vibes, kind of weird stuff going on, a lot of surreal imagery and stuff. Um, but she was fantastic in it. Against the whole cast was amazing. It also had um, Jesse, is it Jesse Plemons? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. He's fantastic. I think he's great as well. And the, his, her mom, um, Jesse Plemons' mom in it was Tony Collette, who is amazing in it. And the dad is uh, David Thelous, is that how you pronounce his name? Who I think I know mostly from Fargo, the third season of Fargo. And he's in Harry Potter as well. He, play, he plays Remus Lupin in Harry Potter. Um, but yeah, really surreal films. I mean, it's a lot like in our own head, a lot of voiceover, a lot of, you know, little looks at the camera and stuff, you know, really kind of messing about with them. They really mess with the filmmaking. Like there's bits where she's having conversations and then her audio will just cut out and it'll just be like the sound of the snow outside. Really weird kind of. Charlie, if you've seen any of Charlie Kaufman's films before, the ones that he, he's written, you know, it's always very strange. But yeah, um, she was fantastic in it, Jessie Buckley. And I was just looking at what she's doing next. She's got a few films coming out, including um, she's going to be the lead in Alex Garland's next film, opposite Rory Kinnear. So it's coming out, I think, next year. Like a, like a two-hander with them too. It's about a young woman who goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside after the death of her ex-husband. So if you're a fan of Alex Garland, I think that's going to be class. Um, she, she did another film called Wild Rose. I was watching some interviews with her as she talked about it. Um, where she played like a played someone from Glasgow. Her her accents are fantastic. She can just jump between a lot of different accents. Um, she was in that Judy film as well, and a couple of other wee small ones. And she is in the latest season of Fargo. There was a, a couple of other uh, actors. What was the one, Ross? You you didn't know if you could pronounce his name right? Is it? I don't know if you can still call him a rising star because I feel like he's done quite well so far. And um, Barry Keown, who God, the list of things that this guy's been in. Um. Chernobyl you were talking about he was one he was like the young guy in Chernobyl who was going out exterminating the dogs um probably the biggest thing he's been in I guess is Dunkirk um he was the got one of the guys on the boat in Dunkirk um very recognizable face been in so many different things um but my personal favorite that I've seen him in um, is killing of a sacred deer. Have either of you seen that? Yeah, he's like he's so just creepy in that, and I can't really put my finger on why because he doesn't like. I'm not spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. Go out and watch it; it's great. But just the whole way he is through that movie is just so creepy and unnerving. Um, and I just think he's fantastic. Um, he's I know he's supposed to be in the new Batman movie that's coming out. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff like really, I know he's already started to be in quite a lot of prominence but I think like you're talking in terms of like Sir Sharonin levels of like fame, like that's easily where he's headed I seem sort of the male equivalent to that. Yeah, he's in 71, the film I just talked about there as well. 
he's one of the villains in that. I think he probably does quite a good villain role. Even in Dunkirk when I watched him, I was like, oh, he's one I'm not going to like. I can guarantee it. But he turns around, you know, he, he doesn't have that. I don't know what it is. He gives me he gives me villain vibes. Um, he just has a very, I don't want to say this by being horrible to him and just digging him out, but a very unique looking face. I don't, have you? I, he's also in American Animals, which was really good. I recommend you see that. Calm with Horses. He was really, really good in that. He's in a whole bunch of stuff um, that you can just go on and on. But he, I think he's he's really the, like big because he's he's in the Eternals that's coming out later on this year. And like I said, he's supposed to be in Batman, the, the new um, Batman movie that's coming out as well. So like his star is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I think as time goes on. And also I like looked it up, like just while I was looking up stuff about him, he's a brand ambassador for Dior. So he's like a, some sort of, yeah, no, exactly. That's what I thought. He was a bit like, Oh, okay, cool. Um, so yes, unique and unusual, but in the best possible way. And I big things. I'm predicting big things. I love a good trailer. And I think the, the, the trailer for the killing of a sacred deer really like, but there's a bit in that film where like uh, him and Colin Farrell are like having, they're at like a canteen and he's just standing, he's just standing up at the, up, you know, waiting to get his food. And he turns to Colin Farrell, who's sitting back at the table and does this like smile, which is the creepiest thing ever. So creepy. Isn't that, that's a Yorgos Lanthimos movie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I just remember watching it and it's like the dialogue is he has like a certain way he does dialogue where it's all very very stilted and I used to think it was just because it said like it's like that in the lobster as well and I used to think it was maybe just Colin Farrell and that was the way he was acting but like I get the impression that that's obviously the way they've been that's like his sort of style but it's just you're right just so creepy and I can't even describe how but just that's a really really good movie um, and I highly recommend everyone to watch that. Um, just on the the rising stars, like our stars, um, have any of you heard of Robert Sheehan? Robert Sheehan, yeah. Oh my! Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. I didn't actually realize this guy was Irish, but he's he's a big big. You know, he's starting to make his mark on Hollywood now. You know, he's in the the Umbrella Umbrella Academy, and I watched him in that not so good um Morgans film that uh, was produced by. One of the guys who has been sort of knocking on the door for Hollywood for quite a while now, like he always sort of seems to attach himself to movies that don't really go anywhere. So he was, um, oh, what was it called? It was the Mortal, it wasn't Mortal Engines, there was another one, it was like a vampire thing he was in. The Mortal Engines. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, so he was in that. And he sort of didn't really do very much of that. Mortal, then he was in Mortal Engines. That didn't really go anywhere. So he's, I feel like he's just one of, and, but I don't know about you two, but the main thing I know him from and the main reason I love him is that he was in um, Misfits back in the day. I don't know if either of you two. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he was, um, God, what was he was Nathan in Misfits. And you knew watching it then, you were like, this guy's going to be, if he make, breaks out of like the UK cinema scene and like into global scene, he's going to be fantastic. And yeah. I, I, don't, I haven't watched that much of Umbrella Academy, but I know that Klaus was like quite a big character in it. So I guess you're right, Mark, probably onwards and upwards as well. Yeah, he has this look, um, a very distinct sort of look as well. Um, and the character that he plays in Umbrella, Umbrella Academy, I don't actually watch it, but they seem to put him front and center with all the like marketing that I've seen, and uh, uh, as as Klaus, 
and uh, he, he gives me this Johnny Depp vibe, like a Pirates of the Caribbean type vibe. And uh, I think Hollywood would love that, like if they put him down that kind of vein in that sort of character. Doesn't necessarily not doesn't necessarily need to be a pirate, but you know that kind of like hippie kind of yeah um, vibe. Yeah, it would be quite good if they ended up like I know there's talks at the minute, I guess, of taking Johnny Depp out of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise or like revamping that. Like I think he would actually be a pretty good casting for an alternative. Um, maybe it's like a young Johnny Depp kind of thing, or like a young Jack Sparrow. Okay, so welcome back to the Film Frequency Podcast, everyone. Um, today we have an incredible special guest that I'm so excited to have on. Megan, why don't you introduce yourself, tell the world about who you are and what you do. Um, my name is Megan. I am from a little town in Ireland. I am an Irish traditional musician, hopefully going to be a teacher this time next year. And I currently work for Amazon delivering all your wee COVID parcels. So <laughs> what we're going to do today is going to sort of give you the floor and you're going to talk to us about Sing Street. Is that right? Yes. Um, out of all my, all, all Irish films I've seen, that would probably be my top one. Okay. Okay. Uh, what is it, what is it you like reason. about it? Uh, well, I'm a musician and it's a film about music. So that's an obvious one. And mainly, right, it's set in like mid 80s in Dublin and it's just so raw about how the struggle is with money and like the all the bits of Dublin you don't get to see as a tourist basically this 15 year old has to move to the public school which is free because his parents are broke and um, he sees this girl hanging across from the street takes a bit of a fancy into her and then she's like an aspiring model he basically decides that he's going to start a band to try and rope her into doing videos for the band so (laughs) can't play an instrument never sang before in his life and now suddenly he's making a band no, I, so I, full disclosure, I've seen bits of this film. I've never watched it the whole way through, but I'm a big fan of the director. So it's a guy called John Carney and he is Irish, but mm-hmm. he, have you ever seen the movie Once? I haven't actually. Okay, it's... he's the same director from that. And that's mm-hmm. a great movie. It's very sort of, I don't know, it's maybe not the most technically brilliant, but it's a very, like the music in it's really, really good. And I was wondering if maybe like Sing Street would be sort of similar. There's other parts to the movie and in addition to obviously the amazing soundtrack that you love as well. Yeah. Yeah, I just like um, the cast is all majority Irish. Mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm a killer for stuff like that. Ireland's a great country. We don't get enough recognition. So um, Aidan Gillen, who's in Game of Thrones, you have him. He's class and oh, I love finger. him. Yeah, little fingers on it. Oh, banter. Okay. Lucy uh, Boynton. Boynton? I think that's how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was very big in theatre. Okay. So, but yeah, so like, obviously, this is the movie that you, you in particular, like, it means obviously an awful lot to you. Um, Do you think that there's... So you said you've obviously watched quite a number of Irish movies. Do you think there's maybe a greater need for that at the moment? Do you think the Irish movies necessarily get the recognition that they deserve? Um, I don't think they do. I think they need more recognition. There's some really great films that have come out of Ireland. There's like, from a historical point of view, you've done The Chicks of Arley, you have My Left Foot, which are both um, in the name of the father. They're Mm, all amazing films. 
that have been nominated for a lot of things but never seem to win um, and then I think, the, you have... I think Wind That Shakes the Barley won like a, quite a few that's like it's it's Ken Luke just won it it won quite a few awards at Cannes I think but I don't think it won anything like it... Oscar stuff or anything I guess no it hasn't hasn't reached that standard um, I know Sing Street was nominated for a few things but I don't mm. think it actually won anything you have another one there's another one I've came across it's You're Ugly Too Okay. I just watched the trailer for it the other night and it looks really good. It's about this uncle takes his, um, he's been released from prison to look after his niece because he, he is the only family she's got left. Mm-hmm. So it looks really good. Okay. It's just really snarky. It's pure Irish humour, like just constant back and forth insults between him and the niece. Like it's just. Oh, he's a, he's a fantastic humor. actor though. He's like he really, is. he's been a and he's been a fantastic actor for years. Like he used to do oh. an awful lot of um, TV. He does a lot more TV work, but like as a film actor, he's really, really good as well. Do you think there's like a problem, almost a bit? Just want to get your take on it. That like a lot of our talent tends to be sort of snapped up quite quickly and taken off elsewhere, as opposed to like working on like actual Irish movies. Irish it really it really does you just have to look at the big named Irish actors or just the big name Irish artists in general like Liam Neeson he's away off in Hollywood so yeah Killian Murphy's obviously another big one so he's really I guess really picked up recently with um Peaky Blinders on the BBC so he does stuff there Saoirse Ronan who we love to describe in this podcast as psoriasis Ronan um <laughs> she's Another one that's obviously a huge star now, but is essentially being plucked from Ireland and that doesn't really do it yeah, off Irish movies. So it's, mm-hmm. I just wonder if maybe that's a problem that whenever we get someone, Jimmy Dornan, there's another one. Like whenever we get a really impressive young actor or actress coming through. It's just they seem to be swept up um, and taken away to the world of Hollywood, which is um kind of heartbreaking because we have such like game of thrones really showed yeah. how much potential ireland has as a filming location mm-hmm. and it showed how much potential irish actors have as well because a lot of that cast were irish a lot of them yeah. but no it's just like yeah you're right it's just it's a shame that and i think now you're certainly starting to get more of like a homegrown feel to stuff but before like you said it has been that we've sort of moved our talents abroad and I think it's nicer that we're using what we're trying to do with this podcast today celebrating St Patrick's Day our patron saint um, is to uh, focus on homegrown talent and actual stuff that's in Ireland that we can get excited about yeah like so just a couple of quick fire questions here favorite movie cool runnings oh the Jamaican bobsleigh team Yes, that's like my go-to movie when I'm feeling down or I'm feeling sick. Would you believe I never saw that movie until like last year, year before? I'd never oh. seen that, never saw that movie growing up at all. I literally, it was one of the first films I sat down and watched with my dad and me and my dad, as you know, are very close. So it's, it's got, it's very sentimental to me and I just think it's a great film, all the music in it as well. We've sort of alluded with this, um, with what we've been talking about, but what would you say is your favourite thing about movies? Like what's your, what makes a good movie for you? Oh, the soundtrack. That's what I thought, I knew that was going to be the answer, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the soundtrack um I 
I compose a lot of film type music myself. I really enjoy it. I think if you don't have a good soundtrack, the film's going to be terrible. It makes or breaks a film. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, like I've definitely, there's been movies certainly where I went to see it and maybe I haven't enjoyed the movie so much, but the soundtrack was so like, well, I've enjoyed, like, I've, I've kept watching the movie purely because the soundtrack was so good. Yeah, I've done that before. <laughs> so what would you say would be an unpopular movie opinion that you would have? So for example, is there a movie you think is a lot better than other people would say it is, or is there a movie you think is a lot worse than people would say it is? What would be your unpopular movie opinion? I get a lot of stick with this because the first time I've been asked this question, oh there's a whole story. I was in um, Harry Potter world and they had a tourist take us around and they're like oh what's your unpopular opinion and I straight up said Harry Potter needs to be re-edited to frig it needs to be re-edited because the first two films let the entire series down completely because of the special effects and yeah you don't say that in a room full of hardcore Harry Potter fans that was a dangerous <laughs> dangerous move <laughs> And I love Harry Potter, but I stand firm with that opinion. Those, those, those first two movies are, are ropey, to be fair. I don't think it's just the effects. Like, if you go back and watch the acting of some of them, like, it's a bit... Like, you can... They're kids, yeah. right? Like, let's be honest, they're kids. We When we were that age, we weren't good and stuff like that. I'm going to ignore the acting because it stays with me and my soul, but the, the editing, it needs sorted big time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I nearly got murdered for saying that. I'm not gonna. I mean, I think you probably should have been. Yeah, that's um okay, Megan. So um, thanks. It's been an absolute pleasure and a delight having you on. Um, anything you want to plug? Any any business ventures? Anything you want to let the world know? Or I'm gonna straight up and start fishing for Instagram followers. My I'll Instagram. Do it. It's Megan RU underscore 19. And hopefully within the next few months when COVID disappears, you'll be seeing a lot more trad and compositions on it. Absolutely love it. I'll be I'll be sending that out to everyone that will come along and get involved. And thank you very much for coming along and giving us a wee slice no of Irish culture. Whenever I was thinking about this, the, the first person that came to mind was you. So oh, um, I'm not surprised. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And um, thank anyone. Thank you for having me. No, absolutely. Anyone, anyone listening along as well, if you want to come on the show and give your own little take, we're we're open to all, all newcomers. So feel free to shoot one of us a message, and we'll we'll see what we can do. Okay, okay. So we're going to move on to the third part of our um, Irish films uh, podcast so i'm going to talk about one of my favorite movies that's highly underrated not enough people have seen this um and it's an irish movie so fits in with the theme and it is the 1998 comedy film waking ned or waking ned divine as it is in north america um i know neither of you have seen this right no no so basically um it's a comedy it's a dark comedy and it's all set in this sort of sleepy little Irish village um, in Tullymore, which um, I think is a fictional, or I guess, like there's so many wee villages and hamlets all across Ireland. It probably is a real place. Um, but basically what happens is there's it sort of follows these two um, main characters. Who, well, I suppose it follows mainly a, these two sort of best friends called Jackie and Michael. And they're sort of two older men 
who live in this village and go drinking all the time and just like just what you would imagine sort of you would get up to whenever you're old and you're a wee Irishman living on the thing. You go down to the pub every night and all the rest of it. You come home with your wife, X, Y, and Z. And um, basically what happens is they hear on the news that the lottery has been won by somebody in this town. Now, this town has like 50 people in it. It's a tiny little village. Um, they basically then try and deduce who it is that has won the lottery to try and sort of suck up to them and get them to give them some of the money and without boiling it um basically what they find is that this one person who has won the lottery um has actually passed away and therefore the rest of the movie and that happens within the first five minutes so it's not really much of a spoiler but the rest of the movie they're essentially trying to convince the entire town to go along with a ruse that one of them is this guy, Ned Devine, who's passed away. So then they can all acquire the um, winnings for themselves as a town. And it's just this lovely, lighthearted little movie that's just, I don't, I, it's um, sort of really nice and makes you sort of feel really warm inside afterwards. Um, there's like this great scene where it's one of them pretends to have a funeral and they sort of do this whole thing of like eulogizing somebody, but he's actually sitting there in the audience. And there's just a really nice sort of warm-hearted little movie. Um, trying to think, a number of different people are in it. Um, our good friend James Nesbitt, who I will keep talking about in every podcast that I get a chance to, uh, makes an appearance as a pig farmer. So he's in it. Um, the guy who plays the guy who plays Jackie, um, you probably don't know, he's sort of, an older Irish actor called Ian Bannon, but the guy who plays Michael, um, sort of his best friend in it, is have either of do you either of you watch the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory remake that came out like in the early two thousands? I think I've seen it, yeah. Yeah. So the guy again, it's the guy who played Grandpa Joe in that movie. Um he's been in a number of different things, but I guess for our generation that's probably one of the things that people remember him most and he was also in Stardust, which is a I think a highly underrated movie as well that we can talk about another time, but he was in that. Yeah, no, just, just again, a great, a great little movie. Um, nothing super serious or just very, very lighthearted and fun, which I think I would like to say, certainly speak it for myself, I think captures what I would say is the best thing about Ireland is that people don't tend to take themselves too seriously and it's sort of lighthearted and fun and there's that dark sort of sense of humor that I think is very Irish as well. We tend to make light of the even the darkest circumstances, and that's how we get through an awful lot of things. Um, but there's just there's a great scene at the very like towards the end of the movie where a, a bunch of characters are all sort of standing on like the cliffs um, surrounding, and they're all sort of raising a glass to one of the characters. And it's just the music that swells. The soundtrack in this is absolutely beautiful. It's I don't know, like, again, it's it's maybe just me being sort of all sort of sentimental at my old age, but whenever you hear, like, a really, like, the Ulian pipes come in and there's sort of that really sort of uplifting sort of Celtic score underneath, it just sort of gets me a wee, a wee bit of a lump in my throat every time. And I just, um, I just really appreciate it. I think it's a, it's a great movie. Um, last I checked, I think it's on Amazon. And um, absolutely anyone who check it out is great. So uh, that's us for this week, I suppose. Um... We'll be back in another couple of weeks. I'm not quite sure what with yet, but uh, we will be. And uh, thanks very much for listening.
For more on Film and Frequency, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Film and Frequency and on Facebook and YouTube. Just search Film and Frequency in the search bar. Until next time, have a brilliant week, stay safe and keep watching films.